Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade, Book 2, Chapter 1, Section 8, God Reigns in a Pure Heart, Continued. O goodwill, O pure heart, Jesus well knew where to place you when he ranked you among the Beatitudes. What greater happiness can there be than to possess God, if he mutually possesses you? It is a state full of charm and of joy, in which the soul reposes peacefully, in the bosom of divine providence, where it sports innocently with the divine wisdom feeling no anxiety about the journey which suffers no interruption, but in spite of rocks and pirates and constant storms, ever continues as happy as possible. O pure heart, O good will, the sole foundation of every spiritual state, to you are granted the gifts of firm faith, holy hope, perfect confidence, and pure love. And by you, are they made profitable? On your stem are grafted the flowers of the desert. In other words, from you spring those priceless graces which blossom in souls entirely detached, where God, as in an uninhabited dwelling, takes up his abode to the exclusion of all else. You are the faithful source from which flow those streams that water the flower garden of the divine spouse and of his chosen one. Your voice calls all the souls of men, saying to them, Look well at me. It is I who impart fair love, that love which chooses the better part and lays hold of it. It is I who give birth to that fear so gentle and efficacious, which produces a horror of evil and makes it easy to avoid who bring to light those fine perceptions by which are discovered the greatness of God and the value of virtue. In fine, it is from me that those ardent desires take their rise, enkindled by holy hope. It is I who cause virtue to be practiced in expectation of the promised reward, the divine object of our love, the possession of whom will one day form the happiness of faithful souls. Invite them all to come to you, to be enriched with your inexhaustible treasures. All spiritual states and paths lead back to you. It is from you that they derive all that is beautiful, attractive, and charming. For all is drawn from your depths. Those marvelous fruits of grace, and of every kind of virtue that helps to nourish the soul and that abounds on every side are produced by you. Milk and honey flow in your land. Your breasts distill milk, and on your bosom is the bouquet of myrrh from which, under the pressure of your fingers, the aromatic liquid flows abundantly. Let us go then. Let us run and fly to that ocean of love by which we are attracted. What are we waiting for? Let us start at once. Let us lose ourselves in God, even in his heart, to become inebriated with the wine of his charity. 
we shall find in his heart the key of heavenly treasures. Let us begin at once our journey to heaven. There is no passage that we cannot discover. Nothing is shut against us, neither the garden, nor the cellar, nor the vineyard. If we desire to breathe the fresh country air, we can go on our own feet and return when we please. With this key of David, we can enter and depart. It is the key of science and of that abyss in which are contained all the hidden treasures of divine wisdom. With this heavenly key, we also open the gates of mystical death with its sacred darkness. By it also we descend into the deep pools and into the den of lions. By it souls are thrust into those obscure prisons from which they emerge unscathed. By it we are introduced into that joyful place where light and understanding have their dwelling, where the spouse takes the midday rest in the open air, and where he reveals the secrets of his love to faithful souls. O divine, incommunicable secrets that no mortal tongue can describe, since every good thing that is possible to possess is given to those who love. Let us love then, in order to be enriched with them. For love produces sanctity with all that accompanies it. It flows on every side, on the right hand, on the left, into those hearts open to receive this divine outpouring. O divine harvest for eternity, is it not possible to praise you sufficiently? And why speak so much about you? How much better to possess you in silence than to praise you with mere words? But what am I saying? You must be praised, but only because you take possession of us. For from the moment you enter into possession of a heart, then reading, writing, speaking, or silence are matters of complete indifference. One can take or leave anything, live in solitude, or live as an apostle. One is well or ill, dull or eloquent, in fact, anything that you will. That which you dictate, your faithful echo, the heart, repeats to all the faculties. In that compound of matter and spirit, the heart, which you regard as your kingdom, you reign supreme, and as it has no other instincts than those which you inspire, all the things that you present are equally agreeable. Those things that nature or the devil wish to substitute cause nothing but disgust and horror. If you allow it to be occasionally overcome, it is only to make it wiser and more humble. But from the moment it realizes its mistake, it returns to you with renewed love and clings to you with greater tenacity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This chapter is both incredibly 
rich and deep, but also incredibly encouraging. He's talking about the source of all great holiness, all the saints. What do they have? They have this pure heart. And what does that mean, a pure heart? Well, it means that God alone and his will alone is what dominates in the soul's life. Does it love family and friends and a good time? Yes, if that's God's will for it. You see, God's will becomes the thing it loves. Like Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I long for it to be accomplished. But he also said with desire, I have desire to eat this meal with you at the Last Supper. In other words, Christ loved those who were given to him. He wanted to give himself to them. He wanted to help them because it was his father's will. But that did not make him love his disciples any less. In fact, he loved John the most, the beloved disciple. And when Christ's heart enters into ours, little by little, this purity of heart grows. The bare minimum of this purity of heart is when we don't break a big commandment. We don't commit a mortal sin. We stay in a state of grace. We do God's will. That's the base level of purity of heart. But from there it grows. And this description in this chapter is of the sort of full flowering of this purity of heart. And, and once we gain that more and more, then the Lord gives us more and more. It's like in the parable where the man is given the five talents. He makes five talents more. And then the master gives him even the one talent that was the lazy, slothful servant, didn't even use. And when they object, they say, well, he already has five, and he's got five more. Jesus says, to those who have, more will be given. And this is how sanctity works. The more we grow in sanctity, the more we grow in purity of heart, the more the Lord pours out his bounty on us the more he sees this disposition in our heart, which is the disposition that was in his son's heart. The father cannot refuse us. Why? Because there's one object of God, the father's love, and that's his son. And wherever he sees his son multiplied, instantiated, engrafted, implanted, enfleshed, wherever he sees his son, that's what he loves. So what are we waiting for? How do we get this purity of heart? We love. Fundamentally, the pure of heart are those who love. And from this purity of heart, we see God more and more, who is love. But what if we fail? And we do. Often we fail so many times. The Lord allows us to fall. So why? So we can be humble and wiser, humbler and wiser. So let us not allow our faults to separate us from God more than they, they do. We don't want to make a bigger mistake by being proud when we fall. 
We don't want to make a bigger mistake by lacking trust in God's love. As soon as we make a mistake, we return to God. We have renewed love. And then we cling to him with greater tenacity. Oh, Holy Spirit, make us tenacious. Tenacious to love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.